Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was impetuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was impetuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let not us, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And we'll conclude there. We'll include verse 17 in the message this evening. Let us pause for just a moment of prayer. We pray, Father, you would take us into your care this morning. Help us to understand the reality of your word. As we look at the life of Jonah, may his experience be an important experience for us. Lord, we need you near us. You are so vital to our lives. Do not forsake us this morning. We want to be close to every heart. And if there is any unsaved in this congregation this morning, we pray that you would speak to them in a special way. For this we pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. To briefly summarize what we have said in the last two sermons that brings us to this point in the story of Jonah, you will recall that Jonah was a preacher. And God called him on one occasion to go to the city of Nineveh and preach. Nineveh was at that time the largest Gentile city in the world, a pagan city who did not believe in God but worshipped pagan gods. God was going to destroy that city in 40 days. But he gave them an opportunity to repent. Just 40 days. You will find throughout the scripture time and time and time again that God gives his people opportunities and time to repent. And if people do not act upon the, uh, within the time frame that they have been given, then the consequences of their failure will certainly be upon them in a devastating manner. Jonah did not want to go preach. As a matter of fact, he refused because he didn't like those people. They were his enemies. They were the enemies of the Hebrew nation. He did not want to see them saved. And it's sometimes strange that people don't want to see other people saved. 
So Jonah decided that he would simply run away from God and he went down to the seashore, the Mediterranean, and found a ship that was going to the exact opposite end of the Mediterranean Sea, some 3,000 miles over to the country of Spain. And so he got on that ship for the purpose of running away from God as far as he could possibly go. But we discover that it wasn't long until on that voyage across the Mediterranean a large storm came up. A storm so great that it was about to sink the ship. Jonah was unafraid. He was down in the bottom of the ship asleep while the sailors were trying to save the ship, throw off all the things that were on board. The captain finally came to Jonah and awakened him and asked him if he would not call upon his God. Maybe his God would save them. They couldn't understand why the storm was there. And so they, being the pagans they were and used to gambling to solve most questions, cast lots to determine whose fault it was that the storm was upon them in such such a tempest, such fierceness. And when the lots were cast, the dies were thrown or the short straw was drawn, whatever they might have done, they discovered that Jonah was the one who was responsible for the storm that was upon them. And they inquire of Jonah as to why all of this is. Who are you? Where are you from? What God do you serve? Why have you done this? They said when he explained to them that he was running away from God. You know, it's difficult for unsaved people to understand some of the actions of Christian people. It's difficult for people to look at us and see some of the things that we do and comprehend why, if we believe in God like we say we do, we live the way we live. And it certainly was a discredit to Jonah and threw a bad light up on God for Jonah to be acting the way that he was acting and trying to run away from the God he said he served. And the sailors on board could not understand why a man would do this. Can we think any less of the people of the world who look at us as a church and try to comprehend why we live sometimes the way we live? That would not seem to correspond with what one ought to do as a Christian. This is an indictment. And I think one of the things that we're going to answer for in the day of judgment is why have we lived the way we have lived when we say we believe in Christ and we serve God? Why have we done these things? Well, Jonah admitted his sin. But I want you to notice he didn't confess his sin, he admitted his sin. There's a distinction between the two. Jonah admitted that he had sinned to all these sailors and still the storm raged. It hadn't ceased yet. I suggest to you that there is more needed than admitting when we have sinned. There is a distinction between acknowledging that we have sinned and confessing that we have sinned. It 
may not be difficult for you and for me to acknowledge that we have sinned. We usually preface it by saying, well, if I have sinned, when in fact there is no question, we have indeed sinned. And everybody knows it. We can't hide our sins. Everyone is aware of our life. Somebody knows about us. Somebody knows when we lie. Somebody knows when we steal. Somebody knows when we stay home from church just because we don't feel like going. Somebody knows when we don't pray. Somebody knows that we are not a staunch Bible readers. Somebody knows when we have mistreated our neighbor. Somebody knows when we have been mean and belligerent and ugly and jealous and ungodly and all the things that seem to affect us. Somebody knows. And above all, God knows. And just for us to say to, to each other, well, it's my fault. You see, I ran away from God and now I'm on this ship and it's my fault that you guys are in trouble. But never confess it. And that's what Jonah was attempting to do. It's not sufficient to simply admit our sin. It's necessary that we rectify the situation that surrounds us in our sin. As a matter of fact, the Lord gave us a story, or really a command, I guess we could say. He said, if you come to bring your gift to the altar... In those days, they would come down the aisle and put their gift in the offering plate at the front of the temple. They didn't pass a plate back through the congregation and everybody conveniently drop it in. They came down front and made their offering. But Jesus said, if you come down there and you're ready to make your offering, but you then remember that there is a conflict between you and a neighbor. He said, leave your offering there. Don't take it with you. Leave it there. Don't put it in the offering plate. Just leave it. Go to your neighbor, to your friend. Make it right. Then come back and put it in the offering plate. That's what Jesus said to do. Go confess your sin to the one against whom the sin has been committed. I suggest to you that it is not enough to come to church and hear for us as a congregation or individuals to confess our sin or to pray that God would forgive us our sin if we don't go to the individual and rectify the sin that we have committed against that person. We must confess. I had a little trouble with the word confess. What does that really mean? I went to Webster's Dictionary and I, I looked up the word and Webster says the word confess means to tell something damaging about yourself. Well, I, I think that's right. James 5.16 says to confess your faults one to another. Say I was wrong, to say I have sinned is one of the most difficult things in all the world to do. We don't have oft times enough 
internal fortitude to go to a person and put our hand out and take them by the hand or put our arm around them and say to that person, I'm sorry, I was wrong. We don't have enough fortitude to do it oftentimes. But that's the command of the scripture. But the second thing, and more importantly, is that we confess, that is, that we tell that which is wrong about us to God himself. Now, first of all, God already knows. But God wants us to make a confession of it. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, if we tell what we have done wrong to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can't get forgiven of your sin by telling me or your neighbor or your wife or your husband or your child or society. You can only get forgiven of sin when you tell God. Got to tell God. Now, let's look at the next point that I want to make. And we somewhat made this point in the Sunday school class this morning, I think, downstairs. Almost nobody sins alone. If I were real brave, I would say nobody sins without that sin affecting somebody else. And I think that's probably right. We cannot sin without its effect upon somebody. It will cause a problem somewhere. It'll touch someone. The sins of the Father are visited upon the children, our scripture tells us. The sins of the church members are visited upon the church. A member of this church committing a sin has caused an effect upon this church. A member of a family who has sinned causes an effect to be upon that family. A member of the school society causes a blight to pass upon the entire school. A member of our community will do the same. And here is a man who has sinned and he has now put in jeopardy the entire population of that ship. Their lives are at stake simply because of one man's sin. All those sailors may die. I've heard it said, maybe have said it, I don't know. Well, I may be wrong, but I'm not hurting nobody but myself. Don't you believe it? You may be wrong, and if you are wrong, you're hurting more than just yourself. You may have sinned, and if you have sinned, don't be mistaken. Your sin will affect somebody. And it's going to have a devastating effect upon somebody. Back in the Old Testament, the first two children by the name of Cain and Abel came into the world children of Adam and Eve. They brought their offerings before the Lord and the Lord was not satisfied with what Cain brought because he was the illustration of that individual that just brings whatever's handy. 
He's the guy that reaches into the field and takes off the first corn that he can find without looking for the best ears. He grabs the little nubbins along the edge of the row. He's the guy that thinks whatever I give is sufficient, that God doesn't have to have the best. Whereas Abel, his brother, was wanting to give all that he possibly could give, the very best that he could. And God blessed Abel in his offering, and God did not approve of Cain and what he did. And this made Cain very jealous, and Cain, you remember, killed his brother Abel and buried him. And then God came one day and said to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain, in effect, said, how should I know? Am I responsible for my brother? The exact words of the scripture are, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord didn't answer yes or no. He simply said in a very uh, displeased voice, I'm sure, what have you done? The answer is, yes, I am my brother's keeper. Yes, I am responsible for you. Yes, you're responsible for me. Yes, we're responsible for each other. And what I do affects you. And my responsibility then gets into the picture of trying to restore you not to be despising of you. There is an interrelationship between Christian people that means that we uphold and support each other. We point out to each other our faults and we try to bring all of us up to a higher plane of living. And so the entire society of the ship was about to drown because there was one despiteful Christian in the group who thought he could get away from God and do his own thing and God wouldn't let him go. So Jonah finally says to the sailors on board, well, it's because of me that this problem exists. Jonah was responsible. I wonder how many people will be in hell because of us. Because of us. Because of me. How many souls are my responsibility in hell because I failed to live up to the witness that was expected of me? How many souls are you affected how many people do not go to church because of you? How many people do not pray? How many people have not received Christ as Lord and Savior because of the image that they have seen of Christ in you and in me? I think one of the tragedies of the day of judgment is for us to see all those things that we have failed to do the poor representation that we have been of Christ. When people say, if that's what a Christian is, that I want no part, we have suddenly repulsed people. And we should be drawing them. We are tearing down and we should be building up. Now verse 13. Although Jonah 
said to them, the thing that you must do is throw me overboard because I am the fault. You throw me overboard and the storm will cease. But the men wouldn't do it. I'm not so sure I would have been so gracious. Maybe I would have. I might have been willing at a moment's notice to say, all right, you rascal, you're at fault. We're going to toss you. We'll take you at your word. But they didn't. What did they try to do? They tried to save themselves. This is exactly what unsaved people attempt to do. They are gambling that they're going to be saved by their own effort. That's the gamble. People work hard at trying to save themselves. People try to save themselves by moral reformation. People try to save themselves by an outward appearance of religion. People try to row their own boat in the storm of life. But they couldn't do it. And that's exactly what verse 13 tells us. The tempest was great and they could not bring that boat to safety. I think we can understand from this that whenever anybody goes against the will of God, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. This is true of Christian and lost people alike. Whenever we go against the will of God, we're going to end up the loser. I think all of you, if you will be honest, will agree with me that every time in my life and every time in your life that we have tried to do it our way, be negative toward God's will, be belligerent to what he wants of us, we have come out the loser. We have never won the battle. And that's exactly what they were going. They were going to lose and they were going to sink into the depths of that tempest if they didn't do what God had provided for them to do. And that was to get rid of Jonah. Toss him overboard. For you see, even in the Old Testament, God is making it very plain that the only way to be saved is by a sacrifice. The only way those men could be saved was to sacrifice Jonah. And Jonah is a type, or he typifies the Lord Jesus. The only way to be saved is through the death of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. The only way for that ship to be saved was to toss Jonah overboard, to sacrifice him. Jonah became the sacrifice for the lives of those men, and God's anger was appeased then because Jonah had been sacrificed. God's anger is appeased against this world in, those, in the lives of those who accept the sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. Now listen, if the rapture of the church is upon us,
I don't know if it's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week. I think in our case, if it, when it happens, it's going to be midnight because it's going to be 6 o'clock in the evening uh, Israeli time. And I haven't stopped to figure that out, but I think they're almost on the opposite side of the world. At midnight, when we're all asleep, the Lord is going to return. And he's going to take from this world every soul that has received Jesus Christ. We're going to be lifted up out of our beds, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and he'll take us to heaven. This world will continue to go on because it will be populated by multiplied millions of people who have said no to the means of salvation. And the world will go through seven years of the worst wars that this world has ever seen. There will be the Third World War, starting shortly after the rapture. And it will be devastating, and multiplied millions of people will lose their lives. But during this period of time, great numbers of people will accept Jesus Christ. But listen, that's an awful price to pay when we can accept him now and, uh, and be taken on to heaven when he comes for the church. The question that we need to settle this morning is are we ready and prepared for the return of the Lord? The sacrifice has been made. Did we accept it? Or are we still trying on our own to figure out a way to make it to heaven and reject Jesus Christ in the process? The Bible makes it clear, if we accept the Bible for anything at all, that there is no way to save oneself. There is no way to make it into heaven except through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Tonight we're going to talk about Jonah again down there in the depths of the sea in the belly of the whale. But this morning, let us conclude with the consideration the sacrifice was made and lives were saved. The sacrifice has been made and lives can still yet be saved. But listen, it takes something on the part of the lost. And that something is simply say, yes, I repent of my sins. I confess them to God and I ask him to save my soul. And he has promised throughout his word that whoever will call upon his name will be saved. Are you ready? The sacrifice is made. Have you received it? Jesus died and will return. Maybe today, tomorrow, Tuesday. Maybe not in our lifetime, but he will return. Are we ready? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.